Namaste, namaste. Good evening to all those who have joined us and a very warm welcome to Dr. Alok Pandey in our midst. This is the third in the talk series that Dr. Pandey has so graciously agreed to conduct for the teachers of MIS. In September, we heard Dr. Pandey talk about how to find, formulate and incorporate an aim in one's life. In the month of October, we heard Dr. Pandey talk about something very relevant to the times, how to convert an adversity into an opportunity. His talks start up questions in our minds and in that churning, some answers unfold. The talks resonate within us and as Wordsworth would have said, the music in my heart I bore long after it was heard no more. There, friends, lies the beauty and appeal of these sessions. Today's topic is closely linked to the journey of every teacher. It's a thought that piques every teacher. It's a question that every teacher grapples with. The ambit, just as the answer, is dynamic and limitless. How to encourage excellence in students. Without much ado, let's move on to today's session. Over to you, Dr. Pandey. Namaste. The very first thing at the outset, I would like to share is that we as human beings, we are programmed for evolution and for excellence. Because unlike the animal kind, unlike even the gods, we are as if in relentless pursuit of something more, something greater, something higher, something wider, something deeper, something fathomless. And the whole history of humanity, if you really look at it from the time of its inception, is as if there is a constant search. That's why someone has rightly said, we human beings are basically nomads by nature. You see, from the first of few islets of human beings, we have been traveling, 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 searching, exploring. Uh, no other creature upon earth has done this. And the reason is very simply because, as Shurabindu said, man is a transitional being and his life is a search. Our life is a search and it culminates, if at all we can use the word culminates, I'll come to that a little moment later, when it has found its own origin, its source, it has found the perfection that it seeks. So this is something inbuilt within us. The right question should be what happens to this ingrained quality embedded in human beings in our software? What is that malware, that virus that enters and diverts the oracles of the gods? By oracles of the gods means we are all born with a certain purpose, a certain mission. So what happens to that? Why do we lose it? Where, where does this pursuit for exceeding ourselves goes? As someone has said very rightly, you know, when Maslow made this hierarchy of need, and uh, well, it's something taken up from Indian psychology where it is presented in a different way that we have, we are driven ultimately by an incorrigible impulse for self exceeding, self transcendence. And this is what we are seeking. And first we explore things within the human limits and then we want to go beyond the human limit. This is given to man. So why does it all begin to fade away? I think one of the reason is we as parents and teachers have not understood what education and human life is about. So what happens when a child is born or even before he is born, unfortunately, his goals are fixed. And that fixity creates an end point. What is that end point? Somebody has decided for us that when we are 20, we would have done our graduation or maybe before we'll get some marks, then we do post-graduation, we enter a professional college, then we get married, then we earn, start earning. And then what? 
well earn more then what earn more and more what for to buy equipments cars toys houses this is this is the malware this has come from where we all know the source outwardly at least and whatever be its immediate reasons why this came up at least in indian society it came up because we went through two things one was a state of subjection where we were living in a way of you know it was like a poverty many of many sections of the society so the immediate need was to earn money and livelihood and all these things became so important and the second thing is that over a period long period of time there was this spirit of asceticism life is meaningless life is waste so when we actually got the chance to live live fully our own life we didn't know what to do with it so we were still caught up either between the ascetic ideal and when it bounced back it was all about luxury and riches outwardly but if we really look at life it is constantly a search seeking so this is given to man and all that we need is to nurture it and to nourish it i think the problem starts as i said when we put an end point there is no end point to life there should be a constant urge to progress more to expand more to grow more to enrich more and this is what is excellence excellence is not a fixity it's not about 99.99% or 100% that's not excellence that uh, sometimes can be very you know a state of uh, uh, fossilization because now 100% so that's it but excellence is even when one has seemingly let's take the example of marx got 100% one knows that there is so much we don't know and this impulse this urge should be born in students or rather cultivated in student that knowledge is limited limitless so where do we limit knowledge first we limit it by saying that it is in the books so we read the books we have the questions we have the answers and the standard format is you will be asked certain questions and we give certain answers as students students give certain answers the answers are according to the prescribed syllabus and they get marks this actually if we ask it is all false it's completely the whole thing needs to be revamped someone was asking recently uh, there was a lot of debate going on in on the education policy and all it's it's about understanding what education is the education begins by asking questions the student should ask questions we have we are asked we are giving them answers then we have questions on which they have to repeat the answer the student never get a chance to ask uh, a question they never get a chance to even wonder at life so this sense of wonder this sense of joy when they touch when they smell when they sense and then they want to know they want to experience the depths of things this is gone and this is partly because it's a very mind driven education so what i mean by mind driven education is mind moves within certain limits and it believes that it has the answers within those limits ask a student what is the sun what is the moon and he'll have a clear cut rational mind centric analytical answer which he has read from the books but that's not the that's only the beginning of the mystery of the sun the sense of mystery in life it's so important that there is a secret we are here to discover and that's why we see that despite all the textbook we may prescribe if you have all the textbooks on one side and harry potter on the other side children will pick up harry potter have you ever wondered why or as grown up adults why is it that one of the most fascinating books that we have is uh, you know sir arthur conan doyle's sherlock holmes because you know there is a sense of mystery the sense of secret now in the indian context this sense of secret of mystery of the beyond was nurtured nourished and cultivated through books which were out of the textbooks so what were these books they were myths legends stories which always brought before us the sense of the fantastic of the superhuman which later on people started saying fancies but they are not fancies imagine hanuman i still you know remember that story so fascinating that he wants to jump and grab a bite at the sun now if you tell a typically mind centered student today he say oh this is impossible this is pure imagination 
Well, imagination opens a door. We have killed imagination. The imaginations of today are the truths of tomorrow. It's not that we'll have to jump the way Hanuman jumped and took a bite at the sun. It is that there are possibilities, who knows, within us, within the very body. After all, people do see dreams of flying. What I'm saying is that this idea, this extremely rational approach which fits things into a very neat paradigm wherein only the limits of our bodies, our limits of our sight are the limits of light. But it's not true at all. At every level, there is a greater possibility. So this sense of the limitless, not only in terms of the mind and what the mind can know. Let me take another example. Because when we talk about excellence, we are only thinking about the mind. What the mind can know. Well, mind, let it question, let it wonder, let it reach a point where the mind says, well, I don't have an answer to this question. That should be the sign of a good student. A student who is really going to excel is not that he has all the answers. Somebody who has all the answers is either God or he is stopped. He is an encrusted person. Very good like a museum specimen. But the day the mind says that no, there are things which I don't know. This beauty of I don't know. You know that story of... And this can be nurtured through stories. One of the stories which I remember in this regard is... You know Socrates when he... After a tour he comes back and meanwhile there has been an oracle at the temple of Delphi. So annually they used to go pray and she would, uh, they would raise a question and she would give an answer. So one of the questions was who is the wisest man in Greece? And the oracle came that uh, he is Socrates without a doubt. And Socrates comes back from the tour and everybody is waiting to welcome him with all the uh, you know, BBC, CNN and all the news channels waiting for him with full mala and garlands. And they, he says, why, why you people are greeting me? Well, you are the wisest man on this planet. Is it? I don't even know what the planet is and you have d- declared me as the wisest man. Nevertheless, he says, since um, the oracle cannot be wrong, he went about searching for himself why this goddess has declared him as the wisest. So he starts asking a physicist about what he knows. And he reaches a point where the physicist no more has an answer and he says, uh, I can't argue with you more, I don't know beyond this point. So he says, okay, then he goes to biologists, then he goes to this, that, everybody. And everybody after a point says, I don't know. So Socrates comes back and says, well, because he used to give a lecture, you know, on B, he's the wisest man. So wisest man must give some talk. So he talks like a wise man, he says, well, I have done some study and research myself just to make sure that, you know, of course the oracle is right, but I wanted to know the reason. Yes, please share. How come you are the wisest man? We believe, but share your wisdom. He says, I have one wisdom which nobody else has. So what is that wisdom? He says, nobody seems to know, but I seem to know that I don't know. So that's my wisdom because of which the doors of endless possibility are open. Now this happens when education is an open-ended thing. Why do we hyper-structure it? See, that's the problem of hyper-specialization, hyper-structuring. Shobindu in the very first page in Synthesis of Yoga points out, even about yogic systems. Hyper-structured. You do these exercises, this will happen. And it goes to a point, don't drink water when you are standing, don't do this and do this. And if you do this, this will happen... Why can't we understand that the infinite acts in freedom and we can reach that point and while it is important to structure because you can't just you know remain in the wild but it's important also to understand that every structure if it has to evolve must leave some open ends and these open ends should be deliberately put in the entire structure. And we should be happy when the student and the teacher reach a point where they say, well, we don't know, neither of us knows. Let's explore it. So this sense of exploring, this sense of adventurer has gone away. Also because the other malware which has come in, which is completely contradicted to excellence is ambition. Now what happens with ambition? Ambition is not about yourself. It's not about the limitless. Ambition is always in comparison with someone else. Now imagine, you know, if there are rats who are running. I remember as a child one little anecdote which I can share. So like every child, you know, we all want to do well and we are very happy when we come back and say, I have come first in the class. So (laughs) I remember coming and saying this once to 
my parents that you know i have come first in the class so my dad said something which is uh, i still remember it he said you know what horses and zebras don't run a race and it was like an eye opener to me i said why am i running the race he he was very happy on one side but on the other side he said no you are what you are even if you don't and the best thing was he told this to me when i was doing well in the exam not be, not when i was not doing well it was not like a consolation prize so it has remained with me that we are not in race with anyone because the problem of a race is somebody has put it like that that at the end of the race rat race i am still a rat even if i come first so if at the end of the race what what is happening is that i am always wanting to my um, expansion is always relative so the moment i reach the limits where human beings have reached i take it as an end point see what happens in my own field like medicine so once you do an md you do a dm you you study all the books and people start regarding you as the topmost scientist then that's my end point i stop i fail because i fail to see where do i fail i fail to see that what i know is not even a fraction this illusion of knowledge which we build very nicely around you know with degrees with certificates it's a big illusion and it prevents us from advancing further so let's uh, while i know it's a system and is problem of system cannot be corrected by you know few people thinking that way but we can start sowing this seed in children that look your real knowing begins when you have the degree and go out into the world so often i Uh, when we used to have uh, md students and you know so i used to tell uh, these student that look here don't think that when you complete your md you become a psychiatrist no from this point onwards you begin to learn what psychiatry is all about this only a base it's given to us to enter into life so people often ask then why the degree is needed degree is unfortunately needed because i can't sign a prescription if i don't have a degree it's just that but the moment i understand that knowledge is endless and it's not about one system or another system then there are doors which open this is what something which i find very fascinating in uh, when I, when i look back into india's own past where did this stop let's take for instance the art and the 64 kinds of arts and crafts and sciences and they would not stop they would keep on discovering more and more look at the whether it be weapons whether it be learnings whether it be art dance and they would go back tracing it right up to the origin so this is another aspect the third aspect which i feel is i mean i am not emphasizing much on ambition because we all know how it corrupts the original file but the third aspect that if we want to really pursue excellence we must try to come in contact with something within us from where and this given to man from where the entire creativity begins we have this idea of creativity that if i sit and start suddenly getting some pop in ideas and i start doing something it is creative well it is creative in a way but creativity true creativity begins when we really unite with the creator and what it means is really not to reproduce the same moment twice because that's how he revels in creativity no two moments in universe is the same so along with all this learning which is book learning and other things we must always understand that there should be within the setup of the school a way to connect with the creator and this method this um, this art and science which has become vilupt nowadays uh, almost uh, should not be in a either a religious or a secular way none of them because you know religion itself turns everything into a fixed formula but it should be the sense of a search and a seeking which should awaken and this urge to meet and the creator will express in countless ways in each one he will come in his own way so it should transcend the boundaries and barriers of religion because we are living in a new age as the mother said that is spiritual evolution of mankind so this search should be awakened again just as books finish the uh, intellectual seeking religions finish the spiritual seeking it's very unfortunate because we have all these talk answers ask any pandit why somebody is suffering he'll give you a talk answer you know we are suffering because you have done some karma in the past nobody ever challenges this 
So teach students to raise questions. Shobindu, uh, when he speaks of with this very beautiful essay, which those who want to really go deeper into this pursuit of excellence, where uh, you know he raises this point that how will we regain that power that we had in our ancient times? So we regain it the way we lost it. How do we lose a power? This capacity to know, to seek, is when we begin to blindly believe. We just believe. Why? Because we have read in a book. Let us question first. This question is not in terms of doubt or this is a question because I really want to understand. So it's uh, very unfortunate that most of us are just too satisfied. How can we really pursue excellence? And this same satisfaction we should turn vertically upward. Unfortunately, is diverted into horizontal expansion. That you should not be satisfied with less money, have more money, have more money, have more position. This is horizontal expansion. This is what is diverting the oracles of the gods. Whereas the expansion should be vertical. But instead of vertical, we just only in the same level, the same point. Man is still the same. As Shubhinder says in Savitri that uh, life in the insect, ape and man... It's still the same. It is just that we have variations. But it's still the same. Whereas the difference is that man can make a vertical ascent. You know, these aircraft which take on straight away, vertically, this is given to man. And I think this is what makes man unique. Man doesn't become unique just because, you know, he can uh, maybe um, do certain things even he has a mind, he can reason out because we see reasoning in animals also. But this capacity to reflect this capacity to turn his intelligence upward and inward. This capacity to transcend himself. So this sense must be brought into children. The fourth thing is that it is not just the mind. When we speak of excellence, we are too much focusing only on the mind. A person may be excellent, so to say, in terms of mind. But may be in the heart a very puny, a dwarf and that's a very dangerous situation. Imagine, you know, somebody who is extremely brilliant in the mind, but he is very poor in the heart. This is what is a full-blown asura. So even in the heart, there is a tremendous capacity to go beyond limits. Take, for example, one small thing, love. Now, normally in ordinary human life, love moves within limits. My family, my immediate people, those whom I know, my kith and kin. And then it gets mixed with all kinds of things which are dark and uh, ugly. Now, when we clear it and make love vast, today we talk about, intellectually we are trying to approach that, you know, earth is in danger and there is pollution, there is parali and all this. What is the root of all this? Because we cannot think beyond ourselves. We cannot feel the life of creatures, of earth, of other beings, of plants, of uh, animals. We just cannot. Why go that far? We cannot even think of or feel about our neighbors. So this is because our heart has not been trained towards excellence. There is an excellence of the heart as there is an excellence of the mind. What about our life energy? We get tired. Why? Because we have very limited means of drawing this energy. How? By food. Secondly, by breath. Thirdly, by certain exercises. But this energy within us, which is the life energy, which is the feeder energy for everything. Whether we think, whether we feel, even in our spiritual aspiration, the energy is the same. It's the same energy which will go into it. So this life energy can open itself to an energy inexhaustible. There is a whole, I, and this is something which children should be taught by practice. That come, let us sit in the garden and, you know, just open ourselves to the vastness of the world around us. Not just, you know, let's go for picnic. Let's have some, you know, puri chola. Let's sit together, chit-chat, enjoy. This human being's idea of, I'm sorry to say, of what picnic should be. Uh, just gossip and that's the end of the story. Sometimes it should be just go. Go and sit there and feel. And when we feel, we suddenly feel the whole universe is rushing into us. One of the simplest ways to get energy when we are tired Simplest is of course breathing, but the other way is just to open to the vastness around. And this, there is a whole illimitable energy and once we open to it, there is no limit to it. Not only do we receive energy, we can even direct it to areas which are not functioning well and set it right. How does it set it right? Simply because it's like, you know, a torrent of flood coming and it is 
throwing all the things which are not in sync and rhythm and resetting it into rhythm because it's a massive rhythmic flow of force within us. This was the way that healing could take place. So all these capacities we have lost which we need to once again bring out. What about the body? Body is the base. Now if body we fix limit for the body then the brain also because brain is the organ through which we receive. So while it's okay in childhood to do, there are children who do very well in childhood. And you'll see that, you know, at least I have in my experience people whom I have seen, followed who were, you know, batchmates and uh, both in class, as well, in school as well as college. And it's very interesting to study them. Some of them were outwardly, so to say, extremely brilliant. They did very well, broke the records. But in terms of humanity, they really remained the same person. There was no evolution. One of my classmates with whom after uh, decades I connected. So, you know, brilliant student again. And so he was sharing something. He said, I'm so happy that, you know, you feel that there is no limit to growth. It keeps nurturing the youthfulness. Whereas, you know, I just wonder, I don't know what to do. Because he has arrived, you know, ITN and did very well and everything. So I don't know what, what to do next. So this endpoint situation... Because we have not nurtured and nourished this thirst, this hunger for the eternal, for the infinite. So this is the aspect at every level. Knowledge is infinite. Love is infinite. Uh, energy is infinite. Passion can be infinite. The very body has infinite capacities held within itself. So this should be a whole package. It cannot just be that a classroom education where how well you perform. That's really... Frankly speaking, it is the last thing which should be on everybody's mind. What should be important? Take, take an example, for instance, that th this is from mother's own life where a child consistently is improving over, let's say, three or four years. Whereas there is a child who is stuck with 95%, 96%. Now, who is a better child? Or in one particular year, we have... Nowadays, you know, monthly test or whatever. And a child is showing consistent improvement from 40 has come to 60. And another child who is 90 and stays at 90 or comes to 92. Who has really shown improvement? It is the child who has steadily... Now, this is another example that there is in this child an urge to do better. Whereas there is another one who has reached a ceiling effect. And this ceiling effect and this um, ideal that we have placed before children and I must say that parents are largely responsible for it. It's not something which can be done by the teachers. Is what Shurbindo writes in one of his very beautiful essays. It's a must read and I think it should be distributed to parents. The bourgeois and the samurai. So what is the ideal we place before children? The bourgeois ideal. Oh, you know what is life? You do well. You know, when we were growing up, this is what we heard. See, if, if you labor now... Then later on you can enjoy life. Relax and enjoy. But if you don't, right now you just enjoy life, then later on you'll have to labor. Now there is a third option. Why these two options? And it gives an impression that I must labor now only so that life I can enjoy. This idea that life is meant at some point to reach a comfort zone where we will sit back, relax, then we will enjoy, we'll roam around all over the world and we'll earn a lot of money so we can spend the way we want to, buy whatever we want to. It's one of the worst kind of, it's a disease actually. And if we look at humanity, it's infected with this. I mean, it's much easy. We are having vaccine and surely corona pandemic will go. I don't know what is, true, what is to be done about this pandemic. This disease of being self-complacent, self-satisfied, this bourgeois ideal. It's so strong. At least I have seen this in the Indian, Indian homes. It's very, very strong. In the West also it must have been there. But because they have reached a point of satiation. So now they don't know what to do. So they are beginning to understand that this is not what we are seeking. But here it's like what is the goal of life? A girl, now things are slightly changing. Girl, by the time she is 25, she should be married. And uh, now, of course, also a little bit job is also there. And boys, by the time they are 30, they should be into a good job, maybe migrated abroad then. Then you can enjoy life. So this should go. The aspect of samurai, the warrior who loves to battle, takes challenges, the spirit of adventure. Now, how to bring in the spirit of adventure? Simply by exposing them to adventure. 
these adventure sports adventure activities we don't realize it's not just because of the adventure it shakes us out of a comfort zones and i think every school must organize it and many time people are scared how does it help in our uh, performance it's not about performance in the exam it's about the parallel exams which go on in life and children who don't have the spirit of adventure who shrink back from you know uh, challenges of life they will shrink back when they meet a real wall they would want to ultimately only reach that point where they can get comf- comfort so the spirit of adventure must be awakened through real time activities through actual stories a lot of things through stories can be done and then shurbindo also says something very interesting and that is says to lay down the base how to augment the capacity of our natural instruments now this is our uh, it's it's uh, just a kind of uh, conditioning we believe that everybody is born with a certain capacity of the brain but shurbindo says that no this capacity of the brain itself this intelligence this can be augmented many times and he there he speaks about something very interesting which in the ancient discipline children were taught when they were from childhood till 25 years this base was laid and this practice was called brahmacharya now excuse me this brahmacharya is not just about sexual thing it's not, it's that the one part of it which is important but it's not just about that it's about all the energies which are frittered away in all kinds of meaningless things i mean i have seen parents who take a great pride in you know we have bought this gift for the child and we are taking our child holidaying to singapore so what is he really getting what is the message he is getting that instant gratification as we know now that you know this this power develops when we conserve an energy it tends to develop they don't know how to wait they just are provided with everything which is not a very good situation not a healthy situation we are actually spoiling a whole generation because we have not instilled in them this urge to grow and this practice of brahmacharya basic means how to conserve energy and turn it upward it's a whole science and it should be part of the school curriculum and one aspect of it is to keep the child busy with various kinds of activities which include not just the mind because nobody can all the time be in the mind and if we try to do it children get fatigued this one of the problem so nowadays this is coming through the back door that you know holistic education integral education it's coming up because people have realized no child can just become all as they say all work and no play make jack a dull boy so a lot of time for all kinds of activities different ways so that the mind can learn to change to adapt and it is so busy all the time its energies are engaged in learning new things and this one simple way by which these energies which otherwise are wasted what happens when children go home uh, 3 o'clock 3:30 i think most schools 4 o'clock they go back to home what happens after that parents have this perpetual complaint that they are only on whatsapp on television or on computers but why does this happen they try to tell a child don't do this don't do this the worst way to tell a child is don't do this when i am doing it so to start with let's show that what what is to be done they have no other thing do your homework now homework they have done something in the classroom again homework there should be a proper organization of activities and here there is something we have to learn from the west where you have such lovely fields where children can go in the evenings and they can play we don't even have proper fields so there should be in the evenings some kind either of compulsory games activities and vigorous activity not that okay children are learning asanas this is the new trend please uh, learn asanas by all means but asanas are okay for you know when you are sorry to say that 60 plus you know you want to cut down belly and do some i mean <laughs> asanas are good by the way but let them do some vigorous sport where will they divert their energies so when we when they don't have this activity then these energies begin to turn in all kinds of channels which are accessible whatsapp is right at their doorstep but physical education is not so it's but natural that they will turn to whatsapp there is nothing like other alternate activities like acting like you know dramatics uh, art music all this should be a package so that children through the day are really really busy and their energies are going into channels which will help them develop but instead when there is a school centric education 
by school centering i mean curriculum centric and that curriculum is only fixed to study that's why very unfortunate that we use a word extra curricular activities i have never understood what it means why should that be extra curricular you know the word extra curricular makes it feel it's something superfluous you can do it you may not do it it's up to you if you want to you can be interested otherwise it's okay if you don't do if you do it okay an extra mark is added all this whole concept has to change education is a package growth is a package it cannot be confined to only this so that activity and certainly not only to the mind so these are some of the things which we need to bring in into the children to just summarize again one replace ambition ambition is a dead end and even if there is a constant seeming illusion of progress it's only at the same level a tortoise remains a tortoise it's in the company of tortoise a rat remains a rat no this is not uh, this, this is uh, you know ambition it's meaningless so ambition should be replaced by the will to excel and this will to excel will only come when we understand when this is inbuilt into the children either through stories through personal life example that really we as human beings may look limited but we are limitless in every sense we are limitless knowledge is limitless love is limitless um, capacities are limitless energy is limit limitless even the body has limitless possibilities everywhere and it's a whole thing look at the body the moment nowadays i i see everybody having a little cold and everybody is so worried so scared why this is happening what is happening it's okay people have things and they recover it's a challenge to the body and who knows this challenge is going to save us from something much greater nature is challenging challenging the body and we take the challenge and we go through the challenge that's what all life is about the spirit of adventure the spirit of challenge the spirit of the samurai to battle and conquer new vistas let me close with this and and of course this um, capacities augmentation of capacity for instance the mind we have debates in uh, schools now i am speaking of things which are regarded as extracurricular so we normally have a protagonist and antagonist and one person says in favor and second person says in against i am giving a small uh, example so instead of doing that you ask a child what do you want to speak about let's take an issue uh sport should there be 2020 matches or not so some children say we want to speak in favor of 2020 tell them to speak against and those who want to speak against tell them to speak in favor so what happens now the mind gets a shock and it has to now create an antithesis against it already has a thesis it already has an idea see this is what we do in real life that we already have a fixed idea which we try to justify with all our logic and reasoning isn't it that stops progress let's take a completely alternate viewpoint and then when we argue from that other standpoint our mind tends to develop and then to create a synthesis to go beyond it the capacity of the mind to be quiet the capacity of the heart to be quiet the capacity of life energy to be quiet quietude has its own flavor its own joy as someone has said beautifully that where is the time to stand and stare to look at life with wonder sometimes i can another activity which i can suggest is it's one there can be many activities which can, which can come i i can share something which i used to uh, engage in spontaneously nobody taught this to me uh, well somebody taught whom i didn't know <laughs> now i can say mother but when at night i would look at the stars i would always have this question what is beyond the stars then i later on you know read something about ki Uh, there are many worlds beyond this world but always is what is beyond the stars what are these gaps which we see all dark in space what is it then this question change later into what is beyond space how is space created they say the stars are the universe is expanding expanding into what how is time born now of course scientists are trying to answer these ultimate questions uh, not ultimate but one level of ultimate because there is nothing like an ultimate question but it's amazing it's wonderful to really go beyond the limits of whatever we have read and understood or we think we have understood and to awaken this thirst to 
for a child to reach a point where he should say, I don't know what is beyond it. That child should get 100% marks. Of course, after having read everything, if one says, I really don't know. Even, take for instance, spirituality, we read Mother and Shudvindu's works and, you know, we can quote and we can read and very scholarly way we can present everything. What if we were asked by the Divine Himself, do we have an experience about your psychic being? Or you speak about, you know, I have written about Brahman. Do you know what is Brahman? Now you see how the whole thing opens to another dimension. This knowledge is only a base. It is not, you know, it is not, it is not even a beginning proper. It should lead us to a quest to go further. See, when I was reading the life of Michael Faraday and all these people actually who have gone beyond, uh, you know how beautifully they say that we, we stand on the shoulders of those who have passed beyond us. Meaning thereby that when we have read all these things, then we should raise the next level question. How does it happen? So that question will open new doors. We may not have an answer. It's okay not to have an answer. There is no sin not to have an answer. But it's certainly a sin, if I may use the word, not to have questions. Meaning thereby I am too satisfied with whatever I have, uh, you know, learnt and read. So all this must be uh, brought in uh, through teachers, through parents, a whole environment, through the society. Society, we should stop asking children, so which class are you in? It starts from childhood. Tell that nursery rhyme in English. Oh, you know, another language also. Good, yes, it's good to know a language, but... That should stop. It should be like, what are you thinking? That's the question we should ask. What are you thinking? That's the question we should ask a child. So what are you feeling at this moment? And the answers that may come out will be very, very amazing. I remember sitting in a train and looking outside and the trains, you know, those days... First class compartment, you look out and you see the fields and seven-year-old and dad and his friend. So he asked, uh, suddenly out of the blue, what are you thinking? And I said, uh, I'm praying. Praying for what? I said, I want Shakti. So he said, why do you want Shakti? The answer I'm not going to say publicly. But he was also shocked that, my God, you want Shakti for this? I mean, <laughs> not for exams or anything. No. Actually, I was myself not aware of this answer. This is the beauty of it. Because this question was asked to me, suddenly something came out from the depths. Otherwise, I was just lost in a reverie. So sometimes to ask children, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts about something? With grown-up children, we should engage in such discussions. Even in a classroom, we should ask them, what do you think? Otherwise, we are all imposing our own ideas. Let's understand their worldview. Sometime we will see that they are putting in a different language, but something very beautiful. So, let them progress from their worldview to something still greater, something which is very wide, something which is vast and eventually toward the infinite. So, these are just some of the thoughts which uh, uh, come to me and uh, last but not the least that in general, uh, education and dealing with people, with everybody, should be uh, full of positive remarks, encouragement, that's the word which was used, rather than negative remarks. So, it's, it's a clue beautifully given by the mother. She says, you know my child, I always look upward towards light, towards beauty, towards truth. So, every child has something unique and we should point out that. When we meet a child, it should not be, oh, you don't even know this how many might know? Pick up. If you have the eye, the trained eye, you will see. Maybe it's an act of generosity. Go to somebody's home. It's not about, oh, this is not my child. How does it matter? I have gone to somebody's home. Observe and encourage. When we look into a child, comes, brings water or just communicates with you. It's very beautiful when a child gets a positive encouragement from somebody, random person, outsider, who says, oh, wow, this is something beautiful. That may change a child's life. Any child, it could be anybody, but normally we do just the opposite. We think that, oh, this child, it doesn't know. And then we come back and we discuss, this is a very strange way to live. Always to encourage. One good little aspect. 
this good little aspect maybe just the way the child opens the door and greets you i still remember going to somebody's home and this 5 year old parents were not there and he entertained with all that he said i'll make tea nibu pani this child grew up and became a chef very good chef very much in demand because it it came natural to him to be hospitable so this is how every child has something beautiful and unique sometimes just the movements you observe it children child who is a born dancer or a born musician and you will see something in the eye something in the gesture something in the voice cadence that you will know that this is something unique about the child but all our thing is oh which class is he going which school is he going some people who are crude enough will ask what is his marks and then that's the end of the story so what are you planning to do next stock answers medicine engineering means the most dullest child the child has no courage to break free and say i want to do art i want to just learn to dance or a child who says well i'm still thinking i remember one of the school students and i was so happy many of these students still they are in knowledge they don't know what they are going to do you ask them what are you planning so they will say well i'm not sure i am still undecided excellent here children are decided right from third fourth standard or even before who has decided the parents have decided it's not your life it's the child's life it's okay they can take a break let them take a break let them search themselves for an year life is a journey of exploration of discovery what's the big deal what's the hurry so let them take time to ponder bring out something from within without interest how can we really excel that excel is as shrivindra puts it in um there is artificial excellence which he puts it beautifully in savitri a just a machine just and exact and artificial and false you see it's like we are creating ai excellent machines so there are students who are like that excellent in terms of their performance but they don't even know what they are meant for what is their purpose what they are born for because the file has been corrupted by everybody by the parents by the society by teachers everywhere so let's give them the chance to think and stand and stare and wonder and where will it start from teachers and parents now how will it start from there just to complete the whole thing that a parent and a teacher should know that there is so much more that i need to realize so much more that i need to do so much more that i need to understand it's not something to be told to a child if you are in that state constantly it will get communicated to a child but if all the time we are bragging about oh this i have done this i have achieved then what do children receive from us but the moment a teacher knows that he has to progress endlessly there is no limit my beard and mad is nothing there is so much i need to understand about child about you know um about this world about creation vast are the mysteries or a parent the moment he knows that it's this is only a base that i have you know catered for whatever family and other things now life begins life begins at 60 blossoms at 80 with that spirit that you know when the world begins to live parents and teachers begin to live then we will see that this search for excellence will go automatically in children excellence means going beyond the limits it means breaking the boundaries of whatever we have known understood felt perceived thought so far it means pursuit of the unknowable the limitless the infinite thank you Thank you so much, Bhaiya. So there's one question which is which says that um, uh, sometimes children do get involved into you know habits which are not very healthy, and though they know that it is something which they need to work on, still they are not able to you know sort of move towards excellence. So how can them? How can we put them into a certain path? so that they can move towards their own because some uh, for children to understand is a little difficult so how do we put them in a certain 
Yeah. Yes. So first of all, regarding habits, let's take the example, which is the most rampant thing these days. It's about children going into pornography. You know, this is something which is very destructive or going into various kinds of activities. Now, instead of just saying do and don't, we should try to explain to child what it does to you. Means there should be complete clarity on the side of the parents and everybody that they must be able to discuss logically, rationally, how it harms. Now, why this happens? Because the society moves towards hedonism. The moment we say that basically we want to be comfortable and happy, this is what we are instilling into the children. So they say, why should we do all this to be comfortable and happy when I can be happy right now? We are instilling in them the pursuit of pleasure rather than the pursuit of progress. So why should I study? Because you will become a big doctor or an engineer. Why should I become a big doctor and an engineer? Well, you will earn a lot of name, fame, money. So we have put the cart before the horse. That aim of life is to be happy. This is a disease. The aim of life is not to be happy but to progress. Progress brings happiness. So this is first step, reorienting mind of parents. Because one side we say that life is about, you know, eventually you get happy. Most parents also have the same thing. So the they only thing is their idea of happiness is when they take up a good job and get good money. Well, child has found a shortcut. Internet has provided with them a shortcut to pleasure. It could be drugs, it could be anything. This is one part. Discuss with children, reorient. And the second part is, how do you occupy them? You see, the mind is like a monkey. Once it runs into a group by saying, don't run into it, don't run into it, it will go back by habit. So provide them with alternate channels and channels which can give them real joy. So one of the ready channels is sports. It's very unfortunate that it is given such a second rate importance in schools and colleges. Because when we know that sports can naturally release endorphins, give us pleasure, it can give us joy, even pleasure. You know what we are seeking. It's it, the studies. So then they will not need these things for, uh, you know, these kind of habits. So give them alternate ways and strategies. What we say, don't see all this because then, you know, you will not study, you will not do well. This, nobody can study all the time. And if somebody is doing that, it's a bookworm. So let them spend an hour, two hours in active sports, vigorous sports. They won't have time and energy for all those things. Then spend time with them. Engage with them. Otherwise, they are left to themselves and poor fellows, they don't know. So what do parents do? They'll say, oh, we'll make internet connections where they can't go to this sub. They'll find passwords. All children will learn to crack passwords within no time. This is a different generation. We'll block, we'll not keep internet at all at home. Fine, you will have the, what, you will have a smartphone. Can you stop them from having a smartphone or you have friends? So that's not the way. The way is to train, to educate, to give them the sense of the beautiful. It's not by creating guilt and this is bad, this is good. No, that's too arbitrary. But to understand rationally, to even empathize and then give him the alternate channels. And one of the best things I feel is sports. Sports and um, arts, culture, music, poetry, Dance, these are the two very important indispensable activities which are missing largely in the general mainstream education. So I think this is how one can approach these problems. Yes? Uh, thank you, Bhaiya. Um, I think uh, the topic encouraging excellence in students should be now turned first encouraging excellence in teachers and then rooting it to, to students because yes, that's yes. more important because absolutely this is what you have brought in so on behalf of the mis family and everyone who was a part of this talk today i express my heartfelt gratitude to alobhai and as he said that knowledge is limitless and the perspective about igniting the spirit of adventure in children um i'm sure his talk is definitely going to uh, encourage all of us to ignite ourselves so that I mean as we all know that a lighted lamp can only light another lamp so yes. if we can ignite that lamp within us and I'm sure we'll be able to bring some perspective um, uh, Neetu ma'am has just sent in one message which I want to read out 
and she has written that uh, just sharing my view present day we need to involve the parents also to join talk like this yes. as it becomes very difficult for the teachers alone to work what come of us talk and discuss in classes undone at home so all this ptm and these uh, you know the cases of parents comparing this is something which is you know we are facing rampant in the school where constantly children are uh, you know talking so we really you know we have to engage with parents more so i would say nitu ma'am we this is like on us we have to do it with this uh, parents also and there's one question from venudi before i end it she is um, she has put this question is this what is the role of competition in a child's upbringing and how should a teacher encourage a sense of healthy competition yes so we can take that question so spirit of competition but just a few things which you said which are very important one is that only a mind and heart i would add which is ignited can ignite others because obviously these things cannot be just you know to talk about them after a while they become cliche and i often give this example that when one vivekananda says be fearless it is a very different uh, force than when somebody who is trembling inside and says no no you should not be afraid why because it's written in the books it carries no meaning okay so it's very important that we follow and become whatever we are trying to transmit to the children so that's a very wonderful thing and second thing not only it's about parents yes involvement is important it's at several levels so one of the things which is the rot in the system is the ex almost exclusive importance given to material success so the success is only about the material uh, success how much money one can eventually the pay package and it's one of the big diseases and it's so rampant and i don't think it's just about parents and teachers it's the whole system the way the society functions it's something which must become like a uh, awareness campaign like almost like a revolution in our thinking so this is the second thing third is about competition yes certainly children need some kind of reward uh, because they are very much in the vital it's only after 10 11 years that they begin to you know um, you know get into thought and reason but these rewards need not be what we normally place before them these rewards can be very different they can be subtle for instance uh, you don't reward a child with chocolates chocolates are for eating but they are not rewards and uh, in some places we have like cups which is good or sometimes something which they value so i would rather if they have to be given a reward it should be the child decides what the child may want to have a set of books maybe harry potter books by all means so this reward is something which children uh, because they are vital centered up till a certain age they need and in that sense the spirit of competition has its place but again this competition should not only be that in a race who runs and comes first who tries who strives uh, many aspects it should be a total package you know that other other day i was watching something very beautiful that in a race when a child fell down it was a race for the alternate the uh, differently able uh, children and how they all stopped they picked up the child and ran together now here you know all win the prizes so these small little things it's not about somebody comes last but somebody who comes last is last but yet putting his his ultimate so all these things should be seen by those who are judging and assessing so it should not be that only one who comes first see one who comes first maybe is endowed with a good uh, physical thing similarly in terms of study somebody who comes first in the class may just be an uh, you know born brilliant it's okay no big deal about it but somebody who tries somebody who like in olden time there was also marks for handwriting so there are so many aspects a child who asks more questions so competition should not be only one dimensional it should be many dimensional the prizes also should not be uh just some you know um, uh, some certificate or something a child who does very well in let's say studies can get a pack of books which the child wants which will help him in his queries the child who does very well in sports can get something commensurate with that and of course cups are okay they are uh, at least more dignified than some other kinds of rewards so up till 10 11 years uh, competition has a place but it should be modified and uh, suitably Uh, change to suit the conditions of the new requirements and the child should know that uh, if he keeps every year doing the same performance doing very well then that's not it but sometimes it should be a person a child who is improving upon his previous year gets the cup 
and not necessarily the same child who is coming first every time. So all these changes can be brought in. Um, so to open new vistas of thought so that children understand that it's not just about coming first, but let's say improving or being consistent in what one is doing, even that is important. So all these aspects must be considered in any competition. Thank you. Adil. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm taking the, I'm sure each one of us has taken this mantra of augmenting the natural in our students. And uh, thank you so much. And thank you to each one who has been a part of this event. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.